the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on just a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Glad that you are here. We hope that you're having a great day. If you've missed any of our shows this week, go get the podcast. Wherever it is, you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. And Aubrey, uh, we don't ever want to become numb to the things that go on around the world, or namely in our country. Uh, and so I do want to just, we don't really talk about it much, but there was another shooting uh, in uh, Atlanta, the city of Atlanta right? Midtown. today. Terrible. Uh, I believe at a medical building. Mm. Uh you know, praying and hoping that at this point, I don't believe anyone was killed. There is, there's a, officially one person mm, dead so far. Last three I read, people, that hadn't happened. So three people mm. in critical condition, two in surgery. May, obviously, more news will come out. But yep. yeah, devastating. Just you know, it, it's scary. It's heartbreaking, and yeah. you can't imagine ever being in anything like that unless you have been. Uh, and just our hearts go out to those people, and uh, we continue to pray for people. Okay, Aubrey. I, I warned you, I told you this is going to be a weird story, okay. a sad story, a hard story. Uh, I read this the other day in the New York Post. How I forgave my my husband for our son's hot car death. Back in 2014, um, Lindsay Roger Seitz, uh, she and her husband, she talks about how they had an idyllic kind of life, mm. multiple kids. Mm. And you read these stories, and you and I were talking off air, like... How can these ever happen? But uh, these actually happen. And I don't want to dwell on the story. Yeah, because it's dark. But the story is basically, you have to tell just the basic part of the story. The story is basically that the husband legitimately, and I don't understand how this happens, but psych- everyone says that this is this a legitimate thing. The husband left their 15-month-old or something in the car for the entire day, Ugh. forgot to drop him off at daycare son died in the heat and then you know obviously that just unravels your life absolutely he got arrested but later like he first they called it a homicide and then Mm. Mm. so that's 2014 she has just written a book and that's why this is out now oh wow called the gift of ben ben is their son son. uh and it's called loving through imperfection she now does a lot of work with organizations that literally are trying to make sure these things don't happen again with car manufacturers and other things wow uh talks a lot about her own mental illness Mm. a lot of stuff and how Mm. people reacted to them Mm. but here's where i would like to take this she talks also in the book of forgiving her husband. Unbelievable. So obviously this is her partner, her, you know, the love of her life. It's yeah. your, it's the, uh, this is the other parent, right? So we're not just talking a random person right. who hurts your kid right. or whatever. This is your spouse. Mm-hmm. And she talks about mm. the journey of forgiving him mm. and staying together. Yeah. And this was one line that just stood out. 
She said, I think the moment I found out Ben passed away, my heart forgave my husband, but it took a really long time for my mind to catch up. Interesting. So I want to talk about this idea of forgiveness. Um, She says, forgiveness for Kyle, that's her husband, would be anything but straightforward. It was, quote, an instant that will continue to stand between us for a lifetime. Yeah. It's been an eight-year journey. And then Mm. that line about uh, the heart and Mm. the mind uh, talks a lot about guilt and other Mm. stuff. But let's talk about forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to downplay and be like, oh, you know, it's your spouse. You forgive. Like... No, in this, this situation, is pretty unbelievable. yeah, I mean, I, I, you, I, you told me we were going to cover this story and I was like, I legitimately would want to forgive because especially when you know your spouse would be as devastated as you were, like the yeah. guilt that they're living with, I think that would give you a sense of compassion and forgiveness towards them. I also would find it really, really difficult to forgive. And I think this is an example of a type of forgiveness that has to be a choice and has to be ongoing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you forgive one time and that's it. Because anytime the grief comes back up or anytime reminders come back up or and and I don't know her story, but Mm -hmm. I'm guessing anytime you see. Anything. Uh, other little boys that have grown up and, you know, are dressed up for Halloween or playing sports or whatever, mm-hmm. you're reminded of your precious son, Ben, and that brings you back. So it there's some lessons, I think, about forgiveness being a lifetime thing, forgiveness being a choice you make consistently, um, forgiveness being something that only is born out of deep, deep love right. and probably does not have, even though she says her heart forgave him. I imagine that wasn't as immediate as mm. she mentions here. Yeah, yeah. And so let's get it just a little less dramatic here yeah. than the story. The concept of forgiveness as a whole. Mm. We are Christians. You know, yep. this is a Christian station. Forgiveness is at the heart of what Jesus has done for us. It's at the heart yep. of what we are called to do yep. for others. Uh, just talk about uh, the importance of forgiveness, but also the difficulty of forgiveness. Yeah, I. I mean, I think. The importance of forgiveness is many, many folded, as they Mm -hmm. say, many multifaceted one, ultimately, because Jesus has forgiven us Mm -hmm. when we did not deserve it. We are called, therefore, to forgive others, even when they don't deserve it. And I, you know, I think a beautiful picture of forgiveness, especially when you think about it in light of the gospel, is that like. People do hurt you. And when they hurt you, there's there's a debt like they Mm. owe you something, whether it's a sense of justice or righteousness or they actually owe you something like they stole money from you or they robbed your child's life from you, Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. And so forgiveness, really biblical forgiveness says that debt is real. And I'm not going to pretend like that debt doesn't exist, but I am going to set you free from owing me anything. Mm. And ultimately that's what God did for us. Jesus paid the debt that we owed God. And therefore it's not that the debt doesn't exist. Jesus took it on himself to the point of death on a cross. It is a weighty forgiveness. I think that's what we need to remember. Forgiveness is weighty. And yet because of that, we don't, we are no longer indebted to God. Jesus took that on himself. And so because of the massive forgiveness that Jesus showed us, we're called to forgive. But I do think, again, going, this story is a hard story, but going back to it, I do think this teaches us some things like forgiveness is not saying it never happened. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not even saying it's okay. 
forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is ongoing. Forgiveness is something we do by the grace of God. And in some cases, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Now, like You're not often, always yes. back in relationship with the people who hurt you. In the case of this husband and wife, it's a pretty remarkable thing that they're still together. It's super remarkable. There's some you've probably heard these stats because you do counseling and stuff. These uh, the divorce rate amongst people who have just lost a child, not because of the other one, but yeah. who've just lost a child is like 80 percent. And well, so to yeah. lose a child out of the negligence or the mistake of one of I of a spouse, I would think that that is really long odds. Ooh. So it is something I, I really appreciate the way you unpack forgiveness there, because we forgive because he forgave us. Right. Yeah. Like there it, it comes out of that. And the forgiveness we've been shown in Jesus Christ, like you said, is weighty. It's deep. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. And uh, we are called likewise. So mm. uh, forgiveness. Powerful story. Just wanted you to kind of wrestle with that today. All right. I'm going to tell you another story that I read in the Washington Post coming up next about something crazy that a mom did. Oh. You're a mom. I'm going to I'm going to get your reaction next wow. year on the All Common right, Good. All right. Here we go. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on a beautiful Wednesday it afternoon. It's beautiful out there. I love it. All right, I love I'm gonna, it. I'm going to tell you a story that I know uh, you've been watching the videos and stuff trying to, I just introduced this story yeah, to you. So this is so wild. It's going to mess with you a little bit. Okay. The title is this. This happened earlier this week. California social media influencer convicted of lying about children's kidnapping. A California mom fluencer, a mom fluencer. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I haven't, but good for her. She's a, not good for not her. Anymore. Was <laughs> she good for was her. convicted for making up a story of how her children were nearly kidnapped by a Latino couple. Katie Sorensen. Mm. Age 31 was found guilty on one count of making a false report of a crime Thursday. So this just happened. I thought no, this no, no. Was this old happened news. in December 2020. Oh, okay. She just okay. got convicted. Ah, now, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and she faces up to six months in jail. The district attorney said this verdict will enable us to hold Miss Sorensen accountable for her crime, while at the same time helping to exonerate the couple that was falsely accused mm. of having attempted to kidnap two young children. Mm. The case is important as it illustrates the importance of using social media responsibly. The story wow. goes like this. Uh, she was at um, a Michael's yes. with her two Craft kids. Store. And Aubrey, she went out, found a cop, told him that her kids were just uh, victims of an attempt at kidnapping. She pointed out who the couple was. One of my favorite parts is that when they looked on security camera and found the couple, the couple was at the cash register paying for a decorative Literally baby Jesus. <laughs> Christian couple. <laughs> and... Uh, Here's what gets crazy. You were just watching it. Uh, she then went out into her car, or maybe it was the next day or whatever, but yeah. she's on her car and yeah. makes an Instagram video. Yeah. And it's full of emotion. I yes. feel like I have to share this. Talking about how do you save your kids from this? How do you protect your kids? to make other people aware of this, et cetera. Made it up. So, Brian, I, I, I watched this with, like, jaw on the studio table because I... Part of me is like, she either blatantly made up the whole story, lied about it, or she was actually convinced this happened. Like, I'm going to assume mental illness involved here. Exactly. I would assume so. So, 
but like she goes into this great detail like the video is wild it has over two point or two million views by the way uh but she just flat out says my kids were just recently the victims of an uh, attempted kidnap i mean it is wild and then also i mean there this precious latino family like there's also so much horrendous racism in it it's just unbelievable they, like, it is unbelievable this story they had to clear their own name like so thankfully they figured it out right yeah. yeah thankfully so i want you said something important let's mm. just foundationally say there's got to be mental illness at play when it's this worth happens saying that yeah Aubrey, she's a mom fluencer she right. had Right. 60,000 right. followers on Instagram. This video had, like you said, 2 million views or whatever else mm. it might be. This is no small deal. Yeah. I want you to climb into her brain. What's going on here? Why do you think somebody would do something like that? And I know that's a dangerous question, yeah. but I think there's something. Yeah. I think there's a connection we can make from momfluencer to what what she chose to do. Right. And obviously we're only making guesses here, but I think you're right. Like, OK, the sad thing is mom influencer, 60,000 followers like, girl, you're successful. You're fine. But I think the pressure of wanting more attention, wanting more followers, mm-hmm. want to build her platform, wanting to get garner larger influence on social media. My guess is a lot of that alongside, as we've said, some type of mental Got illness to. created this situation. Like, and I, I think obviously it's an extreme example of how social media influencing can go wrong. Um, but I think there's some truth to like, the natural progression of us building our lives and our identity around this type of social media influence and following uh, garners this type of insanity. I, I guess like it feels like as a mom fluencer, mm-hmm. there becomes this insatiable. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more followers. And, he, yeah. and she thought what apparently happens here at some point is she thought to herself, this is going to really boost my without thought of what it was going to do to another person. But I think the other layer that we can't miss, and we did talk about this, the other people, I also wonder if this, I mean, she, she appears to be white. If this white woman is so fearful about people of color and minorities that she wrote this story in her head, that these just passersby were actually Coming to kidnap our kids. And I think there's some reality of what we've seen these horrific shootings, people going into the wrong house, like the reality that racism and fear go hand in hand and drive people to this sort of ridiculousness is also real. Absolutely. All the stories seem to imply she did this for more clout. But what you're saying is not wrong. We see that all the time. Uh, So I don't know the conversation I want to have except for this this idea of influence yeah I of think, being yeah, known yeah and we you know i on a very small scale not even connected to this but you're, I feel, you're a mom influencer i'm a mom influencer. no i'm not <laughs> i'm not even close to an influencer mm-hmm. that said as an author public communicator i do feel pressure like the next thing i need to post needs to be mm-hmm. really important it needs to be the thing that hits it needs to be that you know what i mean like that can that pressure can influence all of us if we are not mindful that like we are on social media as a tool to encourage other people yeah. and point them to jesus period yeah. otherwise 
our identity and I think evil moves in such a way that it can again this is a dark side and extreme mm-hmm, version mm-hmm. but it can lead this way like you're saying if if prosecutors are saying this is ultimately about clout this is the danger of that influence or pressure so how do you process that obviously you never do I know you well enough that you're not doing anything. I I wanted to share this story because it's the extreme. It's the extreme. But one of the greatest idols in our culture today is to be known. Yeah. It's to have influence. Yeah. So you, you are... You swim in that stream, mm-hmm. I, as all pastors do. So I swim in it a little bit, but mm-hmm. as an author and a speaker, you swim in it a lot mm-hmm. more. But for anybody out there who's like, I just wish I was known. Yeah. I just wish I had some sort of sway. Yeah. How do we process that idol? Well, How do I, we fight that idol? It's funny because my latest book is called Known. Yes, it was. How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. Because I think what we've done is we've traded the idea of being known for being seen Mm -hmm. and for getting attention. And what we don't realize is that actually the greatest miracle that ever occurs is that we are known deeply by God and God wants us to know him. Mm -hmm. And that answers the question that our, our souls sort of like pose to us. Who's going to know me? How am I going to get influence? Can I be famous? Will I uh, be impactful? Like it almost doesn't matter when you realize that you're known by the creator of the universe and not just known, but known intimately loved, invited, accepted, belonging. He gives you purpose. He gives, gives you the influence you're supposed to have so you don't have to create false mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that pressure to like present a version of yourself online that isn't accurate, whether it's something as insane as this or it's that Katie Sorensen did, or it's as something as you want to look better than you actually are. You want to present as if you have more power than you actually have, or you want to act like you have the perfect fit. I was on a panel of moms recently. Laura Finch, our producer was on it with me. We were speaking at a church about how even those posts of moms being like, here's a quote unquote real photo of me. And the house is a mess. (laughs) The kids are a mess. It's very strategically messy. So even that tendency, like I think we just have to move beyond that like social media is a is a place where you present a version of yourself you don't have to pull your full self to the table but i think be aware of that tendency in your heart why am i posting Mm. what am i trying to do here what is this about and it's a question of identity as we've talked about even earlier this week Knowing our identity in Jesus and knowing that we're loved by God, that should motivate us That's rather right. than trying to get our identity from other outside this sources. This is certainly one of the idols of our day. It absolutely and is. I, I, I think sometimes you tell a drastic story like that and people are like, I would never do that. So this isn't. No, this is drastic, but it kind of gives like the farthest point that this we could get go. to yes. as we do this. So mm. what a crazy story. Well, Wild. coming up next. Joined by Jen Kane. We're going to talk about screen Speaking free. Of screens. Yes, we're going to talk about screen free week that is going on this week. Excited to talk to Jen Kane next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back.
Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, we've mentioned this many occasions. Luckily, it's not you and I. There are a lot of people in this world who have trouble uh, being addicted to their screens, not right? Not us. I mean, not Definitely us. not us. Never com- us. I have it completely under control. Never struggle. My wife never says to me, get off your phone, right? Like, <laughs> Stop yeah. ignoring me. You're on your phone too much. So you people may not know this, but there is something going on right now called Screen Free Week. And so we are excited to have Jen Kane join us yeah. to talk to us about, awesome. as the coordinator of the 2023 Screen Free Week. Jen, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you for being here. Before we talk about the specifics of Screen Free Week, uh, let's let you speak to why something like Screen Free Week uh, is important, even for a week, for people to take part in. Well, I think it's kind of like what you were both indicating earlier, that this is a problem that affects all sorts of generations, all sorts of people around the world, is that our devices are actually a little too good at our job at finding <laughs> information and content and, and entertainment at our fingertips all times. And it's very difficult for us to interrupt those impulses and uh, the need to see the information, especially since it's like a bottomless bowl of food that we can eat from. And so the whole point of Screen Free Week is just to take some time out of this week to identify which kinds of pieces of technology that you're using that might be causing some trouble in your life and Mm. maybe make some boundaries around that. So I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that we're asking everybody to to go screen-free entirely. I think post-pandemic, that's not always practical for people. Um, And that's why we don't like to use words like detox and things like that. Our screens are very valuable tools, but they're tools that should be used with intention. When you don't have intention in using them and you're using them just to kill some time or just to entertain yourself for a while, that's when you can start to get a couple. And usually people know what is that particular app or platform or tool that is their go-to for killing time and just kind of making time pass and disassociating mm-hmm. from the realities of a, of a regular day. Yeah, that's actually, I want to unpack that some more. So let's say listeners here identify like, okay, I need to get off whatever it is, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. That's where I go to dissociate. That's where I go to kill time. What's the matter with going to those devices or those applications, those posts, those platforms, whatever, to kill time? What's the danger in it? Well, I think, I mean, there's nothing inherent in the danger of needing a break from your life. Yeah. The problem is, is that you, you can even see this, but the other things that we use to take a break from our life. So if you spend three hours talking with your fr- friends or you spend three hours on nature or three hours, you know, at, at some sort of event, you can come back from those feeling refreshed mm. and recharged and excited. If you spend three hours binge watching TV on Netflix, you often don't feel recharged and refreshed <laughs> right, right. about your life. Like we can feel it in our bodies and our minds that it what we think we've labeled this as a recharging act, activity for ourselves, but often it's not serving that purpose. Yeah. That's right. And so again, if we if we don't have an intention, or even if we do, if we're not using the tools for our agenda, we will default to the agenda that the people who made these tools have, and mm. that is to spend as much time as possible interacting with their playgrounds. Yeah, yeah, and. Let's talk about uh, youth and kids for a second, Jen, uh, because Aubrey and I both have kids, uh, teenagers, soon-to-be teenagers. Uh, 
it's amazing the hold that the phones and the tablets yeah, will have on them when totally. when given that opportunity. Now, a lot of parents out there are probably like, I don't know, that's a nice babysitter. That handles <laughs> off pretty well. But what would you say to parents uh, who maybe not don't even recognize the uh, the influence that social media and phones and devices are having on their kids? Well, I will say up front, as a parent of a teenager myself, <laughs> that this is a very loaded topic because a lot of times when I talk to parents about it, it's, there's a lot of shame around it. 100%. Mm, yeah. A lot of times parents don't know exactly how these devices operate themselves. They, um, so sometimes when my daughter was a kid and her friends would come over, I'd say, hey, everybody, gather around. Is this new Twitter follower of mine a real person? <laughs> and they would go and they would find out oh i think it's not i think it's a russian bot <laughs> not every parent has that understanding of how technology works right. protect our children in that space but it's very important that we have conversations with children about their devices even if we feel like it's above our pay grade and outside mm. of our area of specialty um kids spend six to nine hours per day on their devices and the people that are spending nine hours are the middle schoolers. Oh, wow. Oh. And then the, the ones that I find even, the stats I find even more concerning are 68% of teens bring their devices to bed with them and near, nearly a third fall asleep with their phones. Oh. And third, 36% of teens wake up and check their mobile devices at least once a night for a reason other than checking the time. Wow. 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 That's some so, startling information. Go ahead, Jen. So at that level, um, this is a very powerful force in their life, as powerful as school and friendship and family. And to simply say, well, like, I don't know what they're doing on that thing, or I can't stop them. All their friends are there. To kind of um, excuse ourselves from the conversation because the conversation that's scary Mm -hmm. um, is something that we just just can't do. And so I try to encourage parents to... You don't have to know how these tools work. I Google things just like you Google things to try to figure out what that new app is. But we need to be having conversations with our kids about this app. Did you, you know, are your friends on it? What, what do you mm-hmm. get from this app? Who are you talking to? Uh, what sorts of, um, you know, what sorts of community have you built there? Mm. Um, and then teaching our kids some basic skills, like do they know how to flag and report posts that are hate-filled or violent? Um, th- those are actually basic life skills that kids need to learn for the future. But just as important as I see a scary person on the street and I call for help, we need to teach them what to do when they see a scary person in their online world. Mm. Yeah, that's what, good. What do they do with that information? That's... And it's, I, I tell parents when I'm talking about this topic, we are the first generation of parents in history who have had children grow up with these devices. That's right. Life. Yeah, that's, that's so right. true. We're learning as we go. Jen, let's, yeah. ask, let's ask you one more question. So what are some alternatives? So let's say, okay, I'm committed to screen-free week. I'm going to put that device down. What do we replace it with? Give us some ideas for, for uh, family habits or activities or what have you. Well, first I would start with um, being soft with yourself. It's maybe not necessary to put your phone away. Maybe there's a part of your phone that you want to try to have better boundaries with. Maybe it's a particular app. So to bite off a very manageable piece that you could chew. Um, And then to carve out some more time for yourself by doing things like spending time outside or reading a book or talking with friends. I mean, there's a million things that you can do that are not screen-free. Mm. But I think the most important thing is to really focus on um, sleep and phone not being in the bedroom and That's then using great. that top of the day 
to set your own intention. Use that time for prayer and meditation, for exercise, but not letting your technology dictate how your day is going mm. to go mm. or how your children's day is going to go to say, let's connect as a family before we all pick up the devices and dive into what that day is telling us going to be. That's, That's really great. good. Jen, before we let you go, uh, in the minute we have left, where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more and uh, find out more about Screen Free Week? Um, we are at ScreenFree.org, and ScreenFree started on Monday, and we'll be going through the 7th. Love it. There you go. Let's get people out there doing it, and uh, it, hopefully people understand why this is a great thing to do. Jen, thanks so much. <clears throat> it was great to meet you. Great, mm-hmm. to, great to be challenged. I was challenged, as even as I hold my phone while I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. You are listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.